Uh, you know, <clears throat> this, this, this thing happens in my throat every month. It's like a reminder that uh, I've quit smoking. Um, and you know, people who quit before you, uh, people who quit uh, now they're 20, 30 years in, they're like, never count, never count how many months it's been. Do you feel that people... I don't know. Uh, this is not a. This is not a anthropological um, attempt to understand. Now, I no. What happens is people who. I, I think everything in this world has been done before by someone, um, and some of it is lost uh, knowledge because um, you know our buddies in Atlantis um, have uh, not been in a position to share the information. But in some shape or form. Even if we call things innovation or invention, um, it has at some point been on this planet, right? So this um, this whole idea, like, oh, because I was just talking to someone about this this morning. It's crazy that, yeah, we might look at the smartphone or technology as this greatest invention that has revolutionized the way society and civilizations interact and human beings view the world around them and absorb information that has been presented to them. But... Well, there were other things, right? Maybe, maybe the lost city of Atlantis had, um, you know, um, I don't know. Maybe had, maybe they had like, you know, mermaid bots. Uh, maybe they were not tech. Maybe they, maybe they don't. They were not a tech savvy thing. But maybe they use ah. Maybe they use biochemistry. Maybe use uh, telepathy. Um, yeah, maybe they had a show. Con Benegar. No. no. No, you will not do that joke because Sandeep, you have an international audience, but someone's going, no, but you're Indians, you can do Hindi jokes. I don't speak Hindi. I apologize, but that was a funny attempt at a non-humorous joke. I'm being uh, very aware and I'm being very conscious of the words I use because my guest on today's episode, which will happen later now, this is the third time this is happening, so you might be aware of the format that he's taking two concepts, a solo rant or rambling of sorts and marrying it to the idea of a guest on the podcast. How crazy is that? But my guest later on in today's episode is a wordsmith. She's a teacher. She's an inventor of word games. So when I spoke to her a couple of days back, it made me aware of how I have sort of let myself down in this department. Because what I used to do when I got the chance first in my life to be independently listening to stories because my mom would read out my books, right? And then I'd keep her up saying, read one more chapter, ma, one more chapter, please, that hardy boys, but I want to read that book, one more, please. But then I started getting that, I just started listening, started listening, started listening. And then I took it up more as an exercise because this was like 2010, 9, 10. So it was kind of like the space when I wanted to figure out whether I wanted to be a writer, whether I want to write script, uh, whether I want to be copyright and advertising, and, and just for maybe maybe stand up because when I listen to audiobooks, help my diction, my pronunciation, my 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 tone, blah, 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 blah. but also I wanted to not waste the opportunity, so I'd open up I don't know Excel, I don't I still don't know how to use Excel, a Word document, make columns, then I would put down a word which I didn't know. I would then, you know, obviously right-click, get antonyms, synonyms, put them down. But I would make it a point. I had this list. Obviously, it's gone with the old computer, but I realized that it's important because. Um, yeah, anyway, I'm going to tell you about this uh, thing. I'll come back to it, the telepathy thing. The joke is not gone out of my mind. But the way these things survive is, uh, and we talk about this uh, in the conversation coming up, but how we feel certain things, certain skills that are taught early on, like writing or or, or, or speaking or reading. Um, it, it, I wouldn't say in India specifically, but anywhere. And of course, now there are a lot of amazing teachers, and my guest is one such person who 
try to reinvent the wheel and not just take a tradition at face value saying this is how things were done so i'm going to continue doing things um in that way and even certain schools are brilliant for that but uh, for, for, for for many uh, for many people who didn't ha- who didn't have access to such teachers or schools it was just taken for that it was okay you have the ability to read and write and as a result now once you have this use it for something else as opposed to constantly keep that updated keep it as a skill that you can you can cherish you can enjoy you can grow on you can um, question you can play with you can have fun with and i know some people love games which involve words or some people use it some people are expected to win their poets or their writers or their authors or their novelists whatever it may be if you're if writing is your job or reading is your job you're expected to be a person who's in command of the language or languages if you're an interpreter or translator but why should that be why does a language have a shelf life like you learn it now you go out of the world because if you notice notice you're one of these people say you're in marketing or sales or you're one of these people is a lawyer or one of these people who's a doctor your your the language of say if you're an english speaker or hindi speaker or, or german speaker the words you use they become less and less because you start using only the words you need uh you know in your professional life and in social life and the social life words keep uh, limiting themselves by virtue of the people you're interacting with and so sometimes maybe in a movie you'll hear some words oh, that's an interesting word or in a play or in a web series wherever or maybe um if you're a game night if you're one of those people who has game night and you're very excited oh, i'm doing game night <laughs> i'm such a good evolved person <laughs> no you're not but you have these uh, opportunities to use words but i was just thinking i this 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 conversation was a reminder of how i like words and i like language and i not because you have to use it as it's not a means to an end but why can't we appreciate the fact that a language doesn't have to be limited by the way it was taught or uh, for the purpose it was taught or by the influences that were used to teach it but why can't we play with it why can't we use um and why can't we keep ourselves um up to date with um a, a larger vocabulary a uh, new 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 i wouldn't say new i mean slang is all obviously going to happen if you are living uh, if you're not living under a rock but there's so many things that keep happening and we keep limiting ourselves going yeah it's just a fucking way i speak man but now this conversation will open your eyes and open your ears to the possibilities that are out there and the people who are trying things with language and the things that are um even the benefits of doing it maybe for your mind maybe for your um you know growth as a person maybe just to not get stagnant and that's important uh, maybe that can be your goal a resolution for 2021 in november pretty late in the year but fucking hey just say hey my growth my 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 resolution is not to be stagnant anyhow so coming back to atlantis they did have technology which we uh See because things like thing things like we talk about and I've spoken about in previous episodes you know the, the idea of you know how how many people are like now things that are there in yoga 3000 years back are now being discovered by science that is a very 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 specific south indian people defending yoga but uh, clearly you know if you look at ancient 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 is a combination by the way guys of asia and ancient yes it's remarkable how uh stuff leaves my face sometimes without my approval so ancient texts uh that uh, parted wisdom uh, that we still now are discovering oh the, the 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 parchment from the the, the parchment from pirumundu that that reveals that the kneecap of mummy bones will 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 help restore youth in 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 obese frogs or something like that 
But there is uh, each civilization has its heights of uh, progress and achievement, and um, we can't, first of all, believe that we are the the most superior civilization or species. No, it's not species. Civilizations or societies that existed, because clearly, if you look at the way things are going right now with um, in the world around us. I think, yeah, we might have Tesla, SpaceX, electric cars, we might have smartphones. But I think in different ways, there have been vast um, amounts of knowledge that various races, civilizations, what do you want to call them, have discovered. But then, you know, uh, hey Greta, they, the planet might just be like, hey, I'm tired of you fuckers, and just drop a bomb on us or drop like a comet, which is the ultimate sort of thing, which we, which, which we sort of... We, 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 we spend so many years uh, toiling over to come up with one nuclear bomb and just poof, one thing, like a little, uh, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you an analogy. When you, when you are done taking a big poop, right? And then there's one little pellet which has to come out and it just poof and it just splashes. And that's the, that's the neg, that, that is how insifi- insignificant the universe treats us. And that little, that little, pebble of poop is a comet that destroys the planet, destroys the dinosaurs, destroyed the lost city of Atlantis through tidal waves. And that's how we might even be destroyed. So um, do I, do, do I uh, feel positive about the stuff I'm saying? Absolutely. Because don't take yourselves too seriously and don't think you're the, you're the shit because a little shit from the universe can take you out just like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know where I was going. I don't know where I came from, but all I know is that I like Cotton Nigel. Katna Joe. Hey, by the way, um, I think we, we're, we're good. I've I just been doing some other work. Uh, I got, you know, I, I, I don't do voiceovers usually, but a friend uh, sends some voiceover work my way once in a while. And I've been attempting to do this. But I'm fascinated. I, I really um using this interview conversation. I don't like the word interview. But this conversation with Nidhi Jaipuria as an opportunity to remind myself that I like words. I want to refresh and jog my memory. I like that. Jog your memory. I, I'm not a big fan of jogging, but jogging my memory is like, ha, ha. It's good. But um, yeah, my, another thing that happened, you know, usually uh, when you go on YouTube and you watch videos, whether it's about pl- pl- playing a certain song on the guitar or whether it's, you know, cooking or recipe or how do you do double stitch or, I don't know why I've ever searched double stitch. Uh, I don't think um, in the foreseeable future, at least, there will be a situation where I'm alone at home with a needle and thread and no, absolutely no options of clothes without buttons. I don't know, but there are things. But more often than not, whether it's the guitar, like even some golf videos, which I've uh, been watching, never really translate well. And people are like, have you been trying to learn golf through YouTube tutorials? Well, don't. Subscribe to ours. 30-day free trial. Rolling your R's for unnecessary reasons. But I did uh, as uh, this thing go for some lessons. And the problem is it's, it's, it goes back and forth, right? One day is I'm good. Next day, missing the ball entirely. And there's no point. There's no fun if you're hitting like a madman and the ball is still there or you're hitting under, the ball scoops up. So I did this. And I uh, checked out this guy, I think Todd Graves or Braves or Graves, I don't know. I should probably know if I mentioned the guy's name, right? But I haven't done that much. I haven't made that much of an effort. Just something I typed, it came up. It was called the more Norman, yeah, more Norman uh, one plane swing. And there were some five tips he taught us or taught me. I don't think collectively we were watching this unless some Russian bots were joining me without my knowing. And uh, I just literally 
okay, soaked it in, went to the range, and I was whacking the ball. I know, I was so excited, felt damn good. It was going left, right, everywhere. It was going left, right, and it was like a, like a political rally orgy, just going all over the place. Uh, but I was so happy because I was hitting the ball. Ting, ching, ching, the sound was coming. Felt damn good. Hey, on that note, I'm going to continue trying to improve my swing, my vocabulary, and my fondness for language, which I know, only English and Canada. But I don't know if I can take up another language. I'm too old, man. I don't know. I don't know if I want to take up like something. But if I do take up a language, I want a language with clicks in it. I'm tired of all this suddenly like, oh, I'll go to the Alliance de France and I will uh, like, well, like, I think those words you can, uh, Spanish and French, uh, I can pretty much get by just by saying things like, hello, yes, I know, I know, it's just stupid. Or like, uh, hey, shit, I don't even know what the Spanish sound like. Uh, Hey, senor. No, that is Mexican, but Mexican, that's Spanish, but, ah, let's not go down that path and <laughs> end up offending some, one Spaniard who listens to this, uh, <laughs> cocker Spaniard, but, hey, um, I want to learn a language with a click in it, um, that might be it, I've just learned it, mastered the art of languages, that's called clickbait. Anyhow, on that note, my guest is Nidhi Jaipuria. She's a lovely lady from Bangalore. She's my senior from school. We never knew each other in school, but hey, now we do. That's how school works. Later on, you find out, you discover relationships that um, flourish or whatever the word may be. I was gonna, I'm not getting certain words. Anyway, need to this thing. So, um, as you will hear, Shruti loves teach. Oh, not Shruti. My God, sorry, Nidhi. Shruti is her cousin, who's my classmate. Anyway, you'll find out. But Nidhi Jayapuria is a teacher. She loves um, teaching, imparting knowledge, having fun doing it. She loves creating games. She loves creating various ways to teach children and not just children, um, people across the ages and across age groups across the ages yeah she's taught jesus <laughs> that's why i didn't mean that she's across age groups anyhow it's a fun conversation she's a lovely human being and she's a lot of fun energy and you will have a blast so as always thanks for listening and i am sure you will enjoy this episode and do tell a friend until next time goodbye god bless cheers see you on the other side Miss Nidhi Jaipuria, welcome to the Soapy Rao Show. How are you today? Oh, well, good. Nice, bright, chirpy, just enjoying the sunshine in Bangalore. It's excellent. I think this is called December weather, things that we uh, Bangaloreans live for because it's beautiful. I, I, I don't know if this has to be a podcast about the weather, but I think I'm going to start because isn't it one of those uh, things that is, you know, I, I think it's going to sound very pompous, but very Bangalore, that we look forward to this and the, the sort of the old timers, as we call ourselves, we're like, the weather's like December weather. And most people are like, dude, we can't even see the sky. Like, and you know, there's one thing I want to talk about is like, um, now most people don't even look at places which we call Bangalore as uh, things they recognize, right? Like, like, um, could be like your Lavelle Road or it could be these older parts. Right. Now it's not even considered as Bangalore. Like I, the other day I went for a show, I think in, uh, kind of, I don't know, sound like I can't say the name, but like past Kalyan Nagar. And yeah. these are like micro cities within Bangalore. I'm like, man, it's huge. 
But um, yeah, anyway, I'm glad that, uh, you know, I'm talking to an old Bangalorean. So we at least have, and I think we have a lot of common stuff to talk about. <laughs> so first yes. of all, thanks for agreeing to doing this. You know, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. No, thank you for having me on the show. And just looking forward to just, like you said, like the old Bangalorean style, just sitting and chatting about anything and everything yeah. and nothing and still having a you know, a blast, really. Yeah, you know, I uh, we went to the same school, and I saw um, an email from the alumni association where they cover people from various batches who are doing interesting work, and that's where you know I've heard of you, and um, I've uh, I don't want to sound <laughs> creepy in that way. I've heard of you, Nidhi. No, but I heard, I've, of course, through your cousin, who's uh, uh, my my classmate. But when I read about the work that you're doing, it's very interesting. It stood out for me because I love people who are trying new things in the education space, people who love language, people who love using language, creating opportunities for people to appreciate language. So you've done each of those things and all of those things. Right. So uh, let me just start off by asking, you have uh, been a teacher for many years and right. we'll get to the other aspects of teaching and also how you've used that uh, to sort of create entertainment in education. But there's something which stuck out when the last time we spoke, uh, you taught nonsense. <laughs> right and that's in your own words um, yes, at Shrishti you designed yes. a course in nonsense um, yes. well tell me about that well I think actually that's probably in some ways a culmination of a lot of things that I've done over the last 20 years of teaching I've always been fascinated by words and I think words uh, it's not even just sometimes it's about the way the words sound Sometimes about it's about the way they trip over your tongue. Sometimes yeah. it's just the spelling. Sometimes it's the connotation. But mm -hmm. words have always fascinated me. I mean, to the extent where sometimes I've written an entire story just so I could use a particular word. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that a lot of what we do, especially as Indians growing up, we're kind of surrounded by nonsense. And I think uh, a particular aspect of nonsense actually intrigued me. Mm -hmm. it, um, it fascinated me and I think that's what it led me to sort of delve more into this whole genre called nonsense literature. So right. nonsense actually doesn't mean no sense. Right. As, as a lot of people think, okay, it's foolishness, it's gibberish, it's no sense. It's got aspects. All of those are essential parts of nonsense. But yeah, because what's the from, beauty of nonsense? From the initial that, time, nonsense, it just sounds very dismissive, right? Like, oh, it's nonsense. That's yeah. That's yeah. Most people tend to dismiss it. Most people tend to think, oh, that's very silly. But yeah. actually nonsense grows out of an excess of sense. You really can't have nonsense or the spirit of whimsy unless there's an excess of sense, unless there's mm. a multiplicity of meanings. So what's the beauty about nonsense is that it sort of skates that thin edge between making sense mm. and not making sense. It doesn't mean no sense. It just makes not making sense in the conventional way. And here you mm. make sense through your ears. Here you make sense where there's this tug and push and pull between, uh, let's say, logic and language. You subvert the rules. Uh, think of it as slime. You know, you can squish it, you can squeeze it, flip it, turn it mm. upside down. The end, it still depends on slime for its existence. So the same way nonsense depends mm. on the rules of language for its existence. But the beauty of it is you squeeze, tug, flip, turn it upside down. And in a way, um, what, what I really enjoy, maybe in, in some ways it's a facet of my teaching is that I like to be unpredictable in my teaching yeah. and unpredictable because there's always that element of surprise of you don't know where you're going so that's what leads right. to the aha moments so okay well, before you know, I, I want to know what you okay so what do you what, like what, give some examples of, yeah no give me some examples of nonsense because sure. I, I'm just trying to think right now like I'm, I'm trying to draw paddles right like you're saying okay. it's an excess of 
uh, sense to work within and as a result you have slang like sometimes each culture each each generation has their own slang right like now it's the um, emojis and the 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 abbreviations right the tmis the brbs etc etc but like for instance um you, you know the the i'm just trying to think because i mean the, the, I love the sound of words sometimes, um, and especially you know when I'm doing comedy, it's the idea is to keep it simple, keep the words simple, but um, keep the co- even if it's a big concept, right? If you're talking about race or you're talking about um, cultural divide, you want to use simple words. But very, uh, very often, what happens is even if the joke might not land, the use of words, you know, provokes well, laughter. Yeah. Um, Uh, there are certain sounds that make people laugh in a word and that's why I'm really fascinated by what you just said so when you say nonsense does it actually mean um, because I've heard of people using gibberish to um, write plays Uh, so is it just funny sounding words is it words that make make people sort of baffle people or is it words that kind of um, evoke a sense of what what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you know, so what, what, can you give me some examples of nonsense, nonsensical um, words? So I think nonsense sort of is everything that you just said and more. Okay. Right? And the beauty of nonsense is you make sense with your ears. So you don't mm. make sense in the conventional way of making sense. And mm. I think a lot of us assume that because something has to make sense in a particular way, that's yeah. the only sense it can have. And that's mm. why I said the multiplicity of meanings. And nonsense plays with the sound of words. Uh-huh. Nonsense plays with the fact that the same word can have multiple meanings. And I think mm. nonsense is there in song. It's there in your playground rhyme. Since you asked me, where do you see nonsense, right? Yeah. You see it from an Akkar Bakkar Bambebo, which you play. And it's this music musicality or the rhythm of sounds. Yeah. Nonsense is there in a Tenali Rama story that you grew up in. It, it's yeah. in Shakespeare's Fools. Yeah. Uh, the greatest nonsense poem of all time, at least in English literature, is Jabberwocky. And Jabberwocky just makes enough sense to make sense. And yet it doesn't make sense. I don't know if you remember it. It was brillig and the slidey toes did gyre and gimble in the wave. All mimsy were the borogros and the mom rats outgrave. Now you're like, okay, I kind of get it. It sort yeah. of makes sense, but it doesn't completely make sense, right? So nonsense mm. uses new words that you can create. It uses portmanteaus, it uses reduplications, it uses inverses, paradox. So all of this and more just sort of comes into this whole space called nonsense. So when like you just I said, said that, I felt like, have I sorry. skipped education at all? I, not, none of those things made sense to me. <laughs> you know, it's so sad uh, sometimes, Sandeep, that all our languages, especially the Indian languages, and you'd be surprised. So a lot of people think, well, okay, who writes nonsense? Is it just a Lewis Carroll or an Edward Lear or someone who wrote Tenali Ram? Oh. Rabindranath Tagore wrote nonsense. Mm. One of his favorite poems is about, I think, catching an elephant's sneeze. Mm. And for me, just the, the sound of the, the, you know, the title just evokes this whole sense of, oh my God, and you know, my mind kind of wanders down all these different places. Uh, yeah. Ray, um, the number of people, okay, Kabir. I mean, for that matter, even that story, right? Like uh, Ruskin born, Ricky Tiki Tavi, it really sticks. It even sticks. Though... So why does it stick? It's the name. It could be the alliterative name. It could be just the sound, the musicality. Yeah. All of that's nonsense, really. And I think yeah. that's what's fascinating about nonsense because you're surrounded by it. You're immersed in it. It's just that no one's noticed it. And I think sometimes... I mean, it's there, right? Right now, if you look at uh, the, the Robert Jordan Wheel of Time, or you look at, say, you know, uh, J.K. Rowling, or you look at, say, Teddy uh, Pratchett, or you look at your even George R.R. R. Martin, there, yeah. are, there, are, there are characters um, that have names, and, and the, you know, like, you know, whether it's, it's, whether it's the, the, the way they announce their lineage, or whether it's, it's yeah. a certain... Um, 
legend which is associated with a warrior and these these are names um no and and it's it's amazing that these things are um you know there is there is sort of a method to the madness if you want to call oh, it because um i think that's the like you know i have this sort of observation that indians we take words uh and indianize them right and i think when when you're saying these things like nonsense i think there is an indianization of english uh, proper the queen's english if you want to call it right i mean i'm not talking about mispronouncing i'm not talking about the indian accent i'm just like you know i have this bit in stand up as well where actually we we don't need words to communicate the situation effectively like if you look at um you know um certain books they talk about like the Mon a beautiful dew a beautiful sort of grass covered field with dew drops sprinkling themselves in a romantic sense of fairy touch kind of they make it very sort of wordy yeah. and in india would be like the, this they'll do it with in, in a very different way right like a very plitch plitch kind of morning you know where the birds were going zui and you know those sounds which yeah. are very communicative very indian but they're very beautiful like i do it in a, in a comedy sense where we use words like zui or darbur and it's true how we use it but even um like if a person says um you know a bee flew uh, a pg woodhouse would say a misguided bee running away from his angry wife would uh, twat into a into a window sill right but an indian would just say pachak get hit that right and <laughs> pachak is it just works you know it just it, works yeah that's the beauty of pachak really yeah and i think i was just listening to what you just said when you started off and i think jk rowling or a lot of these people do it so beautifully even asterix yeah. for that matter yeah i mean yeah. the beauty is and that's where the tongue in cheek is the pun is the wit is mm. that the name has those connotations and you are actually chuckling at the fact that this character you know the, the, how cleverly they've used the name i mean rolling is yeah, a master yeah. at it yeah. uh, a lot of you know the characters actually if you look at the etymological origin of the words and those who know english they they enjoy the fact that she's named the character that more than anything else or for me in, in asterix one of my favorite characters well who is a roman and he was called nefarious purpose and i just was square on the hypotenuse and you know he was this architect in you know i think asterix and cleopatra and i still remember chuckling over it and saying yeah. oh my god that's hilarious because i mean that's just... where the adultness of these comics come Absolutely. in i i never read them but i mom yeah. read out a few to me and yeah. whether it's like you know blistering barnacles from uh, captain oh, had legendary yeah. yeah yeah that or uh this one um in asterix i mean you, you can just go back now and i was just thinking about it like the portions guy who's the healer of the the gauls his name is getafix right and it's such a brilliant name for someone uh in today's day and age where they're like oh my god breaking bad drugs and there's this guy who's yeah. this <laughs> wizen old man uh giving people and giving asterix that portion which makes him like this wonder warrior it's pretty sure there's something in it beyond just herbs right <laughs> that's it it's fine take it for what it is enjoy it's it, it, it that's the beauty actually also of nonsense in some way so again somebody wouldn't relate nonsense to let's say an asterisk you wouldn't mm. relate nonsense to a lot of what you read and teach but yeah. it's always on the surface it's this thing just dancing below the surface you only have to just look look beneath a yeah. couple of layers just at least stop to look and that's when you enjoy it that much more and i think anything yeah. and everything has it so i think yeah, that's know, what got me to love nonsense as much as i do and i love the fact that you have taken it forward because you know what happens i'll give you a context of where i was with english right it was almost like uh, very similar to you like icse icse english we were uh, for me it was merchant of venice and hamlet and 
there was a sort of daunting sense of English, right? That you have to speak it the way the Queen's English is spoken. And if you mispronounce the V's and W's, you will be mocked. And when I went for university to the to the UK, it, it, granted it was Wales where I probably sounded better than most of the Welsh, but still, uh, there was still a sense of if you don't speak it well, you will be mocked. And there is still that sort of remnants where in India, Indians from tier two, tier three cities, when they see us, so-called English medium, ICSE um, bred English speakers, they feel a bit daunted. And I've spoken to friends, they're like, oh no, you English people, you are privileged. And therefore there is this resurgence of regional language, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but you get my sense, right? But it was almost like if you don't speak it the way a proper a proper upper class British person speaks, and you've heard this in the theatre troops that perform in Bangalore, right? They they overdo it. They're like, oh, the other day, and I'm like, my good lord, your, your name is Baskar. Why are you speaking like this, right? But what you're saying brings a joy to the language where you can take the words, take the rules of English, because I don't know the rules. I don't know where certain prepositions are adjuncts or whatever. See, there I messed up already, right? But there are okay, certain things. Uh, disclaimer, even as an English teacher for 20 years, I okay. still don't know the grammar rules. It's intuitive. It's That's the beauty of it. You don't right. have to know every rule. It's no, what are those things? That, what is that thing called? That, that, that thing that I've, I'm, I love the, the term which they use, right? The... the um, I am big pentameter. I love it. I don't know what it means, but I just—is it right what I said? So exactly. That's why do you like it? You just like the way. I love the sound of it. I don't know what it means. I I don't know how to use it in writing. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's the best part about language. No, that's that's the beauty of it. And what I was trying to say is when it comes to conventional English, right, there is a certain kind of intimidation that you have to do it in, and it discourages people from learning it. But when you say it like this, whether, uh, you know, it, it, you know, I, I'm horrible at spellings, I'm horrible at writing, because for obvious reasons, right? But there is a joy of hearing words. And for me, the beauty of English and um, books and stories came to life when I listened to audiobooks, because you have these voice actors who bring characters to life. Oh, yes. And I think all of that, if you ask me now, um, do you remember more of English and the way it was taught during school, which yeah. would be from the age of six to the age of 19? Or do you remember more or did you learn more or appreciate the language more from the age of, say, 28 to 38? Definitely it's the latter because of the way it was um, the input. And, yeah. and, and I think, you know, as someone like you in the space and you just said, I don't know the rules. It's beautiful that you're doing it because I think we need to break those barriers of it has to be taught in a certain way. You have to write cursive. You have to learn this because it's a way you can marry cultures. You can weigh, uh, you can marry generations, certain time periods where all these come together. Okay, Shakespeare wrote and he was brilliant. But now we live in a time where um, it, it can be appreciated, but it can be taken as a starting launch pad and do more with it. And I think that's what I want to ask you because you are doing more incorporating nonsense, incorporating your knowledge of, of literature, your love for the language, love for words. And can you tell people, because you told me this briefly, I want to go into that space, what you're doing with all of this, because it's not just you're sitting here on the podcast and telling me you're actually running a school, which you uh, briefly mentioned earlier, and I cut you off. So I want you to talk about that now, if you don't mind, please. Sure. So um, so I think like anyone else, I started teaching in a conventional school and Aditi, unlike most schools, gave me the space to be very creative. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you still have to work within a certain framework of, let's say, a syllabus or a curriculum or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that for me, I just needed to be able to play with language. Like you said, when I teach, I'm part conjurer, I'm part juggler, I'm a theater artist, I'm a magician. I become this little kid. I can do anything. And that's yeah. for me the way I need to teach. There has to be play. And I think there has to be always fun. I mean, that's something I promised myself the day I stepped into a classroom 20 years ago. I promised myself that I would never get bored. Mm. And I promised that I'd never let the kids get bored. It didn't matter what I taught. 
right? And in some ways, the brain gym. So I guess the name also implies why is it called the brain gym? So definitely give your brain a good workout. But it's also when I say workout, it isn't do the same 10 reps. Do cartwheels, turn it upside down, do whatever, but just have fun. And yeah. at the end of the day, so there's a lot of rigor. You have to learn, but there's a way to make learning just that much more magical and fun, right? So, mm-hmm. yes, thankfully, I was able to have my own creative learning studio called The Brain Gym. Been there for the last 15 years. I get to design my curricula exactly the way I want. Uh, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. There's a lot of research. There's a method to the madness. Mm. Uh, I like describing the brain gym as a creative kerfuffle. Uh, kerfuffle, <laughs> again, being one of my yes, favorite yes. words. Maybe it's all the F's in it. I don't know. Maybe it's just the way it trips over my tongue. I love uh, words I can't spell. I don't know what exactly, it is. Exactly. That's another thing. So, <laughs> uh, so, so I think kerfuffle creates mm. that, that sense of chaos and commotion. But yeah. the fact that it's creative and the fact that, like I said, there is a method to the madness, it just... You know, it's the, I know exactly what's happening, but at the same time, I'm allowing it to go wherever it leads me. It's a bit like falling down a rabbit hole, right? Just right. when you think you're going down a rabbit hole of sense, at the last minute, it turns around and takes you down some other path. Yeah, so yeah. at the brain gym, that's what I do. I design my own curricula where, for example, I would use asterisks and I would use the wordplay in asterisks, the names of characters to teach. I could pull down a Macbeth and we would act it out in the way we want to do it. And suddenly Macbeth through a comic strip, for example, it could be about words and uh, the sound of words. It could one day just be, okay, can you think of these big clunky words that, that plod along? Or can you think of these scowling, grumping, mm. you know, words or moving, pirouetting, sauntering words? So you could look at words like that. Mm. Uh, I'm somebody who loves reading. Again, stemming from my wordplay. So I, for example, love art, right? And artworks. Mm. And again, most people would tend to look at art and say, well, that's so boring. But when you just sit and either do slow looking or you get kids to look at art very differently and express themselves, again, making it fun. And there are ways to make it very creative. So like I said, I draw influences from art. It could be all the music we grew up with. Yeah, they think their grandparents listened to it. But yeah, the music of the 60s and 70s, the protest songs, is still as relevant today. So I think at the brain gym, in a way, it's a microcosm of everything that I'm reading and seeing, things that I've enjoyed and that I just want them to appreciate. So Roald Dahl turns, you have to hear this. So, for example, if you're doing Roald Dahl, there's Madame Trunchbull, right? And everyone knows about Miss Trunchbull. But uh, have you ever given, uh, she's the she's the headmistress who's extremely strict and she's probably the worst headmistress anyone can ever have. This is, is the story Matilda? Matilda. Yeah, Matilda, Matilda. Right, right. And, right. Uh, it just, it just, I just remember this incident. Most kids are always on the receiving end of being, you know, for Miss Trunchbull. But what yeah. if you give the kid the power and said, okay, you know what? Why aren't you Miss Trunchbull? And you need to come up with an insult but which, is, which doesn't use any inappropriate language. And I still remember this kid. He was all in fifth grade. And he had to, he just called his other kid and he was like, Krishan, you preposterous pineapple. And I was just like, I fell off my seat laughing. I was like, that's brilliant. He came up with that on the spur yeah. of the moment. And that's all it takes. So Roald Dahl, so that's another thing. Roald Dahl, you know, remember you said you don't know spellings of words. Yeah. But if I told you a word like Biff Squiggle yeah. or like Lick Swishy yeah. or like a Fizz Banger, if you, you know, all the Roald Dahl stuff. Yeah. We can do an entire thing on Roald Dahl. I don't, I don't care if it's, it doesn't matter, doesn't fit into the conventional, this yeah. is the way to write. And I think uh, coming back to um, to the brain gym, very often it would take me that much time to tell kids, I don't care if it's right or wrong. I yeah. don't care if you've got the right answer. Tell me why I mean, why look at the spells it. in J.K. Rowling, right? Absolutely. In Harry Potter. Most oh, yeah. of the actual words, like Lumos, that. Luminate, or uh, 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 what's the what's the other one? Expelliarmus. Is, you know, yeah, there's so many. Expected, yeah, I mean, all of them. Yeah. Bingardium Leviosa, the whole concept of levitating. And yeah. 
Leviosa, but anyway. stupefy. I mean, it's just I, the thing is, and that's what gets me, right? When it becomes a bestseller, everyone's like, "Oh, now we." But if a child does it, you're like, "No, no, what are you doing? That's wrong. You should say it correctly." And that's what I, I, we, and I'm sure you've read and heard a lot of talks by Ken Robinson, who's an yes. authority on creativity and children's uh, uh, ability to sort of to, to sort of explore their own uh, aspect of what they want. And I think he has a famous line, right? That education, the education system. Um, or in today's day and age, we are educating the creativity out of children, right? Absolutely. And this is the problem. And what you're saying right now, it sounds fantastic that, I mean, I didn't know the word preposterous or what it meant, but the fact that a child takes a pineapple, which in no way is preposterous. In fact, it, <laughs> <laughs> you might say a pokey pineapple, right? Which is a amazing Ritwik. I don't know why I named Ritwik. Amazing Ritwik that you can take pokey and pineapple and you drew a logical conclusion that something's pokey. And that's what you're rewarded for because in ICSE or whichever syllabus, they'll give you marks saying this kid has observational skills. But no one would say, um, would reward you for saying something as like a smirky um, this thing, you know, a, a, a smirky tomato, right? Because, or a busy dumpling or whatever. Yeah, exactly, right? Because that makes no sense in the reward system of how we are being educated. Right. But I love the sound of it, like like a, a smirky samosa, right? Like what is smirky about a samosa, right? Nothing. Oh, I can think of 10 things right now, like, like, you know, Alice says you can think of six impossible things before breakfast, but that's exactly what it is. It's, yeah. The magic. So in a way, I think the brain gym is like a roller, you know, I kind of take kids on this magic carpet ride of imagination, creativity, the magic of words, and they're always jousting and jostling with each other. But that's yeah. the fun of it. It doesn't matter. Like, actually, the amount of learning that happens. And yeah. I think what kids love is the fact that it's okay. And, you know, they see me as immersed in it as they are, right? Yeah. Uh, we, we have snowball fights in my class. Yeah, yeah. With, with you know you can put whatever you want in it i create these game boards so by the way just to let you know this is a not a podcast it's more a request to uh like an interview that you are doing for me to join your brain gym <laughs> i'd love to have you they'd love to have you <laughs> it'll be fun at the end of the day uh Sandeep, i think it's just about loving what you do yeah. and enjoying it and i think kids are very intuitive in that sense they pick up Absolutely. on the fact that you're enjoying it Mm. And and yes, a lot of thought does go into creating that. It takes me a lot of time to, you know, make it as funny as I want it, as interesting, mm. as unpredictable as I'd like it, because of the fact that they don't know what's coming next. And there's mm. always something to surprise them, right? And again, I believe that one of the ways you can, when, when a lot of people say you're an English teacher, you know, what kind of writing do you do? I said, it'll all come together un unless and until you enjoy language and you have the freedom and the ability to play with it, which is where someone like you comes in, right? What is stand-up comedy? The fact that you can pun on words, the wittiness, the banter, all of that stems on the fact that you're so comfortable with the language, right? Which is and now, you know, I feel I went through a big uh, dilemma that I was not sounding right because, you know, the worst thing you, worst thing you want on stage is grasping uh, and having that confusion, grasping for words and having that confusion going, shit, am I mispronouncing it? Did I get the right word? Because you don't want to be laughed at. You want them to laugh with you, right? Um, or if it's self-deprecating, of course, for obvious reasons, they laugh uh, because you made fun of yourself. But that was my problem going, oh my God, did I say the word right? Because I'll, I'll give you an example, right? Uh, I was talking about, um, you know, when you walk hand in hand with your partner, right? You yeah. twine your fingers, right? Um, but there's another word which is intertangled, right? I made them both into one word, into intertwingled. And 
then for the rest of the show, I'm like, did I just fucking say intertwingle? You know what you just did? You actually made a portmanteau, and that's brilliant. I, it's not brilliant when you're on it stage is. in front I of hundred people it. going. I know, but, but in my head, going, what the hell did I just say? And this is all happening in my head while I'm continuing with my rest but of my material. You realize everyone got it. It made sense <laughs> yeah. to those. So honestly, that's again. So again, we're coming back to nonsense. Right? What's nonsense? It's portmanteau. Taking yeah. two words. Putting them together because they just sound, I mean, I would rather say intertwined, just makes so much more sense than saying intertwined or twined or tangled. Why not? Yeah. Absolutely. Listen, I would have been like delighted. You would have, but I don't think the most I think audience most would have listened. <laughs> my audience is like, dude, when's he going to say Ben Chot, right? <laughs> He's not said it yet. <laughs> but um, no, I find it fascinating. But I want to know, does this stuff, because it sounds really, really um, like right now when you're talking, I'm like th trying to think of words, right, which are fun and which are which make me smile. Like, for instance, um, I love the fact and some people, uh, you know, also really I mean, most people who reach read PG would house like it for different reasons. Like, you know, the fact that if you're talking about, um, you know, Lord Emsworth, who loves his pig so much called Empress and the description where I don't have to even watch a TV series with, you know, Jeeves and Wooster, right? Um, okay. Like when I hear the description of Lord Emsworth uh, at the pig pen, um, and there's someone walking towards it and says, uh, as a as what as a suit of old Raymond came to life, which was draped across this, that's the Lord, right? He's just draped across the fence of his pig pen or something like, um, he looked as startled as a tiger that saw his native taken away from him at the last minute. Like you can just imagine like a tiger being startled, right? That, that's just such a beautiful expression that instead of, I, I just find it mind blowing how he uses, um, is, that, is the right word, analogies or, uh, you know, draws these uh, experiences from animals and innate and sort of inert objects, which I find crazy. But what I want to ask you is, uh, when your kids come to a brain, the brain gym where you teach them all these uh, th ways to think and uh, right. ways not to think and tell them what is not right, what is wrong, you just tell them to do whatever they love doing. How does that fit in, especially in, a, in an education system now, which is going, which is reeling from the blow of a pandemic or reeling from this identity crisis because everything was served to get a job, uh, but now things are changing. So how do you prepare kids for it? Because you've been in both worlds, in a conventional school and you run the brain gym. So can you just sort of take us through that? Because it's interesting to know. Um, I think what's interesting is that, I, I think it's, it's contrary to what you're saying. I think when we were growing up, Mm. There was a lot of very straight jacketed cookie cutter jobs that you had to get to, right? Or you could go to. Yeah. But the fact that you're doing stand-up comedy or you're you're hosting a podcast, the fact that I'm doing no one ever hired me. That's the main concert. reason why. This, yeah, is, yeah. This, this is not creative <laughs> expression. I had no job. The fact that I can teach nonsense and get away with it and actually yeah. call my course making sense of nonsense and it's fine with that. Yeah. Shows that we we do live in a world which is more accepting of the fact that people can be creative yeah. and do. I mean, I'm lucky to do what exactly what I love and I've been doing that for so many years. Yeah. But trust me, it's actually the opposite to what you're saying. A lot yeah. of us grew up in schools where the curriculum probably, I mean, not probably, actually is geared or designed to sort of make everything very stereotypical. Mm. But the world we live in is the opposite. The yeah. fact that you have influences, whether it's whether it's a Netflix, the memes that are going around, the fact that kids have access to, let's say, listen, listening to podcasts, the things they're reading, uh, there's a lot more voices coming out about whatever they're doing. Mm. I think all those influences do add up and in a way it kind of balances out 
the stereotypical and the most straight-jacketed school lives that we have. Yeah. And honestly, I would actually give credit to schools. They might have a curriculum like an ICSE or a CBSE, which yeah. which sort of forces them in some ways to do certain very it basic... It boxes things. them in, yeah, yeah, yeah. It boxes them in. But at the same time, I think all schools do give kids that space to venture out, to voice what they think, to try out something different. So I think mm. you're always walking that tightrope. And I, I don't think I've ever faced that problem. So I teach kids, let's say, from grade three to grade eight or nine. And then, like I said, I've also taught undergrads. And uh, I'm just coming back to my experience at Shrishti. It was like a microcosm of India. I had kids from every part of India that came in. And when we mm. did nonsense, we celebrated celebrated every language so when right. I said okay it was a bit like the tower of Babel I said you know what go and get me tell me nonsense that you've heard in every other language except the one that you use at home so people had Odia people had Assamese people had Gujarati and it was brilliant because you still got it it didn't matter you didn't understand the words you understood the inflection you understood yeah. the expression yeah, and yeah, coming yeah. back to brain gym um, it's, it's just fascinating believe me because they're kids from so many schools they're kids from across thanks to online brain gym they're kids to, you know across India and you know, I, I, I'll give you an example. Um, I asked them to do spoken word poetry once. And I, I said, you know, let's do a rant. And most yeah. of them looked at me. I said, yeah, you can rant about anything. And mm. the fact that it's creative expression, it's free expression. There are no rules. There's no rules that, okay, you know, it has, I hate rhyming, by the way. It shouldn't rhyme. You don't have to do anything of the kind. What do you want to rant about? Just take, just express it. And the rant, the rants was fantastic. Nice. So honestly, you know, Sandeep, like whatever you, you guys are like super inspirations for these kids. The fact that you can speak your mind, you can say what you want. You can, it's just amazing. Believe me, I don't think that's been a problem. I know you asked me the question. I probably veered away from it. But I genuinely. No, no, I think it's perfectly that you've mentioned this. Because a cousin of mine, and I keep bringing her up in this podcast because I kind of despise her. Anyway, uh, she, <laughs> no, not 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 for the obvious reasons. It's just that this thing she said once, because you mentioned this thing about ranting, kids having this amazing ability to sometimes surprise themselves, right? Yeah. But uh, I remember this this particular statement, and I, I it really bothered me because this is, uh, as a parent, she made the statement, right? So there was a show, it was at this mall, which was uh, clearly uh, catering to families, right? Uh, in, in, the, in the outdoor sort of, uh, uh, the, what's it called, the amphitheater area. So they asked us to keep it friendly, keep it, you know, no curse words, because in India, it's a curse words means it's a, the, even if you can crack the most amazing joke, which is the most amazingly insightful, most funny, but if you drop an F-bomb, that's it. Every family's like, oh my God, it's sacrilege, right? So I did this show, I, of course, I abstained from language, and of course, the joke was good. And I think, you know, I've also grown as a person, uh, as, an, as a comedian, not to just simply use the F word because it's cool. And oh my God, for, for the first time, it's novelty, right? In India, you can go on stage and publicly and use bad words and no one scolds you. It's quite a novelty for a lot of Indians. But once you get past that, you have to realize how to use it wisely, just like any other word. The F word, whatever word can be a good punctuation, could add to the flavor of the punchline, whatever it may be. Let's not go into that. But I did the show and it was whatever well received. And I was like, yeah, you know, I can do a show without cursing and it, it can happen. But then this cousin comes up, she's like, oh, it's amazing that you did this for my, my kids were here. And it's so good that you can keep it clean because we are a family friendly country and kids should not hear this. I'm like, never use words like should not, must not, because kids themselves might take to it and you're telling me that your kids don't hear bad words like you know what I mean or not even bad words cuss words or whatever you want to call it because she said don't use bad words because we're a family-friendly country and you should not I mean she said should not I was like oh this I just want to go all out you know what I mean because it puts this sense that of course you know you, you shouldn't curse for the sake of it but 
um, you know, and I think there is also a time and a place. And I think, uh, so I want to ask you what, what your thoughts on cursing, curse words are, because there's obviously a cultural re cultural origin of these words and they keep changing and the meaning changes, right? Like someone told, like when um, earlier, like hooking up meant meeting someone, but now hooking up means um, it's a sexual encounter. So these things right. change. So right. what is your experience with it? Uh, the kids you teach, because you said third to 10th or ninth undergrads, what is that? I mean, is it wrong to use curse words, first of all? And I don't you I don't want you know you to feel if you don't want to answer because as a teacher of any of your students listen, they're like, Yeah, she said okay on the podcast, now we're gonna curse like sailors. But that is that have you you've heard that word, curse cursing like sailors, because clearly it's it's venting out of certain anger, emotion. So what has your experience been with it and what is um sort of your perspective on um strong language which must not be said in India? <laughs> So I've got two very interesting stories. When you started talking, it reminded me of creative cursing because that's again. So what do you think Trunchbull was doing, right? It was mm. abuse, not abuse. It was cursing somebody without using anything inappropriate. And yeah. so I, if I had to do something around cursing, I would say, you know what? Let's come up with the most interesting curses. Mm. And it can be funny. It can be witty. But the, but that's the beauty of it. So for example, yeah. you know, Shakespeare has some of the best insults. Yeah. You but you know I mean I'm, you something whatever I'm, I'm just thinking of a bunch of them and I just realized okay I can share them with you so I actually give my kids a bunch of insults and say yeah. you know what can you come up with the most you know some words to kind of get them going saying yeah. that it's okay to call someone you whatever you know uh, okay <laughs> there's a whole bunch of them going through my head and I'm trying to choose which one I'll give you one to get your uh, jog your memory this is one lovely one I heard or two um, he looks. I can say he or she, this is gender neutral in case anyone wants to get offended. Uh, he looks like the south end of a north going horse. I like that one. It's clean. It's cute. Uh, I love it. And the other yeah. one, and this happens to do with looks again. Um, and this is, it's unfortunate, but I asked this friend when I, my roommate in England, I said, man, how was your date last night? Did you hook up with her? I did because I had too many drinks, but I said, was she hot? Mm, she looked like she chased too many parked cars. I said, dude. Like the, a few clowns short of a circus, but yeah. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I was found that, uh, it takes you a second. Students, so I think students, so listen, if any parent comes to you and says that my kids don't know it, yeah. they honestly, they're delusional, okay? Yeah, Every kid yeah. It's there in the playground. It's there on the school bus. It's there at home. Mm. Uh, it's there around them. It's and it's there on media more than anything else. It's in the media that they see around them. The question is, do you choose to use it or not? And the mm. question is, how do you circumvent that and say, you know what? You don't give emphasis to insults. The moment you don't make it cool and you don't make it, oh my god, you use the word. Nobody cares. Nobody bothers. It's There's so many other things to do and so many other words to use. Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, I would do creative insults. So I use Shakespeare's insults. And yeah. guys, I mean, beyond you know the other plays that you've written and the fact that in school we were asked to, you know, what did he say or what context? I don't know if anyone's actually looked at his plays. They're hilarious, and some of his yeah. insults are brilliant. I'm actually yeah. going to send you a whole list, Sandeep, after this. And Fantastic. No, I, I love I love listening to these things because they make you think for a second. You're like, did he compliment me? Did he insult me? Exactly. So, there's this lovely comedian called Bill Bailey, right? Uh, musician and a really, really good wordsmith. And he's doing this interaction with a guy in the crowd and he's, they're talking about music. They're talking about a guitar lesson or talking about some kind of guitar. And after like the fifth interaction, this guy just stops, just stops responding. So this Bill Bailey's comeback is like, well, that was a walk down a long windy beach to a coffee shop that's closed. <laughs> I love that. That's brilliant. Because so it's almost you like... Do is imagery. Do you know yeah, how much... As opposed to saying, you oh, you stupid guy, why didn't you answer me? It's no, such a I beautiful way, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So that's the cleverness. Do you realize yeah. that's also nonsense? In yeah. a way, every single so it's just now yeah. you noticing and appreciating it. So wit, banter, you know, tongue in cheek, rich imagery. What is yeah. nonsense? Yeah. It's either you're making sound, you're making sense with your ears, or whether you see it or not. That's so again, Sandeep. It doesn't matter if you can't see. No, sound. you don't have to see it. You can hear. You the, imagine it. It's, mm. it's that whole image. Like for me. The, yeah. Just thinking of this guy going down this windy beach in that closed coffee shop. Yeah. He just said so much more than you think. Oh my God, why didn't he show it, up? You're feeling that frustration that he's feeling, right? Like you're yeah, going down this windswept beach. Yeah, you feel it from all senses. It's just it's yeah. not brilliant. Trust me. And chasing too many parked cars. It's the same thing. Is that visual, uh, which is not really a visual, but you can just hear that patak, that sound in the face. Right? <laughs> oh, the, like you said, the mosquito on the thing going patak. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, and I love the fact that words, and that's this is what I don't get, right? Um, I mean, I do get, but like when you translate some things, like a book uh, to a movie, a lot right. of it, I think, is lost. Like for me, when I listen to, like when you're talking about these exercises, like a preposterous pineapple, um, they, I think there's a big connection between the sound of a word and the visual it creates in your brain. And I'm sure there's studies done on this, but um, you do this even you take it one step further beyond your brain gym uh, sessions, beyond what you've done at Shrishti, beyond what you do and continue to do with various um, associations of words and teaching. But you take this you take this one step further with the games you've created. So I want to talk about that because um, I find it fascinating, right? Because it is almost like you had to read to play Scrabble or um, you, you almost have to be um, able to see certain game. Board, like, board, board games were out of bounds, whether it's Pictionary or this thing for me because... I'd be more of a burden because I'm like, okay, what, you know, even Monopoly, I was always in jail. Maybe I think my friends just said, no, no, just you're always in jail. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'll just accept it for what it is, man, you know. Um, but there, there is a way to play games without seeing. And I want you to just, I mean, I don't, I don't want it to be about my sight or whether it's about my in, inability to play board games. But uh, you brought this thing out, which I really, really appreciate. And, and I can sort of resonate and gives me also like a little sense of hope that, Words don't have to always be seen and words don't always have to be in a certain realm of visualization brought to life through movies. So how do you um, create these games? I think that's a good starting point before I keep rambling, which also a word yeah. I like. <laughs> I love rambling. I love rambling, sauntering, pirouetting, yeah. just there's just so many words again with, again, so I'm, I mean, before I explain about the games, just the whole, whole thing about gait, right? Yeah. It's so boring. If you just say that that person walked, I don't care. Tell me he shuffled, tell me he rambled, tell mm. me, you know, there's just so many other ways. So that's again, part of just- He rolled. <laughs> he yeah, rolled. Right? I love no, it. Why not? He rolled. It just, there's just so many, right? Even the whole, yeah. you know, for me, sauntering is two people sitting, swapping stories. And, you know, I would like you to make it gender neutral. So again, in some of the books I've written, always have these animals. Because mm. animals are gender neutral. There's something mm. everyone relates to. So, you know, two crocodiles sauntering down this muddy swamp, swapping yeah. stories, you know. So, again, I mean, I'm sort of digressing here. But for no, me... No, I love digressing. Is... <laughs> yeah. I should call my podcast Digress. I love Digress. it. Dilly Dally. Dilly Dally, yeah. I love Dilly Dally. So I hope you watched that link I sent you with Michael McIntyre. Wishy-washy, hanky-panky. Oh, oh <laughs> the reduplicators are the best. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, I think coming back to the games... You know, it, it, now that you mentioned it, just kind of since we were talking about nonsense today, I just feel that uh, so this game I've designed, which is called Tailspin, in mm. some ways kind of brings together the way uh, all the elements that I've been doing sort of in the last twenty years. It's the way I teach. Uh, for me, a word game, and the essence of it has to be fun. Mm. It has to be unpredictable. There has to be this element of chance, and I think most of all, it has to. I've always wanted something that just pivots on its head. 
it, it, it shouldn't go down one direction. So again, like I said, falling down a rabbit hole, right? Yeah. Just when you think you reach the end and make sense, it just takes you around somewhere like a completely unknown path. Yeah. So um, maybe my teaching is like that and whatever I've taught over the years. So I think in some ways, uh, I mean, I've not really thought of Tailspin, you know, in so much detail or spoken about it before, mm-hmm. but Tailspin grew out of a love for words again. The yeah. fact that I wanted to pass on this love for words beyond let's say coming to a brain gym or going to a class or reading a book. And I think as a child, uh, my mom loved, you know, puzzles and crosswords and always coming up with different kinds of word games for me. Yeah, That's something that uh, I've been doing over the last 20 years. So in my classes, you know, whether it's synanograms, I don't know if you know, but something called a hink pink, but that's brilliant. It's these no, short, uh, it's these clues and riddles, which actually have the clue inside a riddle. So um, mm. what would you, okay, and the answer is a rhyming word pair. Okay. Oh, so uh, and if it's a one, I didn't know this is going to be a test, unit test. Oh, <laughs> I, I haven't even listened. Trust me, I didn't come up with any. I'm just kind of thinking, trying to think of some of them on this on the fly. But uh, go yeah, for so it. If it's a one, you know, just imagine you telling someone, "I'm going to teach you the hinky pinky, or mm. the hinkety pinkety, or a hink pink." You're like, "Wait, I want to know what this is in class." Mm. Okay. It's nothing but just rhymes and it's it's clues. Yeah, and as opposed to something as daunting as today, we will learn syntax. That's the only thing that would come to my brain. <laughs> and then you just drone on. So anyway, yeah. we leave that part aside. So Tailspin yeah. kind of grew out of the fact that I wanted kids to play word games. And I'm always designing games to get them to be more engaged. At the end of the day, it has to be engrossing. It has to be exciting. It has to be engaging, right? Yeah. And so this word game, uh, I said, okay, I don't want boards. Let it not be very cumbersome and fidgety. You need 10 things around you. Yeah. This thing is a pack of cards, mm-hmm. uh, cards with points. Again, um, so I'm kind of going a little bit into the details of the game because they kind of drew from a lot of things in my childhood. Yeah. Uh, the fact that in Scrabble, I used to hate the fact that a blank didn't have a single point. And I was like, what the hell? You know, mm. I used a blank. It's still a legitimate letter. Like, please give me one point for it. So when I designed <laughs> the game, I was like, it's definitely going to have a point. Yeah, so yeah, there's like a user letter or user vowel or consonant. Then the fact that you can have double letters because sometimes it's just harder or that much easier that you know a mm. diagram or a blend comes together. And then I said, Well, hang on, everybody makes words. That's yeah. that's very normal. Anagrams words. So I said, Okay, let's do something different. Let's add it See, to basically when you have double words, that's when you weed out the CBSE kids. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> I just lost half my listeners. Yeah. <laughs> We shouldn't even go there. So you have to make words with ending letter or letters of the word tail. And that's how it continues. But then I was like, okay, so big deal. People make words, but where's the fun in it? And I think the fun comes in the strategy. You see, when we play Scrabble, it's pretty unidimensional. You make words, I make words, and if I have a Never better vocabulary, it. I, it was too daunting for me. So exactly. this is so to redeem is, the CBSE folks. It's a, it's a self-deprecating joke. I have, as I said, I can't spell. So don't worry. <laughs> Trust me, here you don't even need to spell. You can actually yeah. win the game without spelling because you can just piggyback someone else's word on or right. someone else's word, right? Yeah. And I think I just wanted to make it a level playing field. And as kids, uh, there's to be this game we used to play, but we used to pass really bad cards to someone, you know, the good old Tash mm. card games we play. And mm. the joy you felt like, oh my God, these are the worst cards. And only like the horror and you were aghast when somebody gave like even worse cards to you. Yeah. But just the fun of doing that, right? The fact that yeah. I had the power to pass two bad cards to someone. It's so almost like a little card karma. Like you would give cards thinking that, ha ha ha, look what I've done. But uh, oh, alas, you received worse cards, cards from them. To bite you back in, you know, in Correct. certain places. Right? <laughs> it shows so, the yeah, joyous like, nature of human uh, human beings, right? <laughs> that our benevolent nature, that we're just out to screw each other at a young you age. That's the fun of it. It's actually the fun of it. Absolutely. And the fact that, okay, so coming back to that, so in my class, one of the things that I always have in class, and this is, like I said, doesn't matter you're in grade five or you're in college or mm-hmm. this, I always like dice. Now, at the, at the risk of sounding like I run a casino or anything of the kind, 
the dice is brilliant it's if you do it on a casino game. right i want to i'd love to see the signs in the menu <laughs> on that casino everything would just be kafaful <laughs> people don't go they wouldn't find the bathroom they're like where what is this woman put <laughs> piddle my diddle <laughs> shizzle my nizzle <laughs> They're like, am I supposed to go one or two in here? It doesn't matter. Just it's all nonsense. I think I've started. I've, I've started you off on this whole new path. Correct. Then suddenly your entire yeah. casino is just being in the fountain. I, mean, I can just see that brain of yours working and think, oh my god, I have twenty things I can just take off on what you just said. No, yeah. it's lovely. I feel like right now I have to use big words to impress you, but no, I think no, this no, is great. So that's the best part. The big words don't impress. It's the little mm. ones. It's the fun ones. It's Guys, you heard that. Ha-ha. It's not the big words. You know there's a word called haha. <laughs> right. You know there's a word called haha. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mean like the laughter you sound? Fence which you can't see to keep away sheep. And you, it's only when you trip off it and you go ha ha that you realize that that's actually your fence. And wow. that's one of the smallest words in the dictionary. It's just oh, one ha- of those words. You mean it's like. a little like a dog, uh, like like a little cat? Uh, uh, what's a cat flap? That's ha ha. No, 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 it's fence? actually a little fence that separates meadows. But it's right, that's so what I meant, like a little miniature kind of fence. Yeah, oh. it's so it's just enough to keep. Certain not dumb animals, but not question call them dumb bovines, but whatever. It's to keep certain creatures out. It, and the funny, probably they say so that this the is the one they jump for the shepherd to fall asleep. How many? <laughs> how many sheep jumped the haha? Like that's just a, oh god! It's just it's it's a yeah, something that I'm just with. setting you off on a whole bunch of things. I've realized yeah. that. So anyway, come no, did back. you know there's a word? Uh, there's I love. I, I mean, obviously there's the word kid, which is a baby goat. Yeah. But there's a word git. Right and get obviously I don't think means a good uh, thing. But this this guy, the English friend of mine, he's like git means baby goat, like a fool. I fell for it also. I was like, oh, let's. There's so many gits around here, and people are like, no, no, you shouldn't use that. It doesn't mean to baby all of goats. us all the time. Yeah, yeah, we've always yeah. done that. You know, made the fact you know made use of the fact that you know a word someone doesn't. But coming yeah, back yeah. to the game, actually, so yeah. the game in a sense is just it's a word game. You make words with the ending letters of the previous letter, right. you know, word or words in the word tail. Yeah. And the fun is these game changer cards, and that's as the name implies. You can sort of pivot the game, you know, on its head in some ways, right? Yeah. You, I think the other thing that people like in a game is to have some power. The fact that mm. you can say no, and the fact that you can block someone from doing something that they've been dying to do, like triple their points. I think things like that is what makes the game more interesting. And and yeah. I, when I was thinking about the game, I realized that's exactly how I teach in class. So in my class, by the way, since you mentioned games, beyond tailspin, I create game boards in class. So mm. anything that I teach. I actually create this game board, so almost like a like a uh, you could do it on a whiteboard, you could do it on a blackboard, you could do it wherever. So the mm-hmm. game, and every time you answer a question, you have to roll a dice. You roll a die, and you you know you're the different teams, and you sort of follow the path around the game board. Okay. But it lands on different things. So trust me, Sandy. There's the kids want more as opposed to saying, "Oh my god!" See, when people do pop quizzes, they're damn boring. Yeah, Most people yeah. get very bored with quizzes, right? I mean, you ask a it's question. It's very unidirectional, right? You have to, you're given a certain set of tasks well, and you have to fulfill them. Yeah. Here, you lose even when you win because yeah. you might get the answer right. You roll the die. And so let's say, just give you an example. A game board I designed was called Ghosts and Spiders. Okay, mm-hmm. bats and vampires. You land on a ghost, you can scare another team's life away. You land on a spider, you lose your own life. You land yeah. on a vampire, you land on like a cobweb or something, you get trapped. You land on a vampire, it's like a power you can keep. Mm. Till like something else happens, or or you lose a life every time. So it's, it's a cycle, which is ending somewhere. So I just want to ask you: uh, We spoke yeah. of get a fix, right? Who gives the portions to Asterix? So w- what do you take to get all these ideas? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I so I think one one way is I'm really thankful to someone. I don't know up there, second floor, third floor. I have no clue where. But right. the fact that the fact that it's been as long as it has, and I think I still have 
that excitement like i can't wait to go into class to try out something new so i think for me it's the excitement to see to see another kid's eyes light up to see that aha yeah. or to even hear the groan so i think yeah. my class is one of the noisiest classes around because it doesn't matter it's online or not they know that if it's nidhi's class you better be prepared there'll be shrieks yells groans in equal nice. measure or just peals of laughter because nice. you know it's just like i said there's always something happening in the class what do i take i don't know just i think uh, <laughs> i just i guess maybe just being happy with what's happening around life and i think yeah. someone who just I think I'm just excited. Maybe it's just that. No, I'm, I'm excited happy. too. I can get you. I mean, I, I, I really wouldn't have thought I was one of those people who will be excited by the the concept <laughs> of games or wordplay. I mean, I love doing my little puns here and there, but it's it, it, it's when you, I mean, it's 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 kind of. Uh, it's it's the sense that you share this excitement with other people and i can sense it myself right like the words are like i'm i my mind's going down some other parts with some words you mentioned i'm like mm, what's the word i can think so i can only imagine for a young mind um which um options you're providing are so exciting right as opposed to uh, conventional ways of receiving information which are so unidirectional which are so sort of le- leaning towards a certain testing point towards a certain result which is then rewarded by certain other activities this just kind of like takes all of that information and uh, jumbles it up into nonsense which i love i like what you're doing no tailspin that's it's a great game you sent me a thing and with the best part guys and whoever here is listening um for those of us who can't see very well the cards are all in large font so you can even play it uh and there's no and once you get the rules right you can get someone to scan and read that out to you i think the entire game is, game is doable um and the, and even the dice has dots which you can feel so it is inclusive uh unless of course you don't like dice then you're ex- it excludes you but <laughs> But it's a great game. I, I mean, I, the concept. I think it's one of those things. As Nidhi explained, you, you. I think you might understand, and you probably would have. But I think playing it um, is the only way you can enjoy it even more. But you know, Nidhi, where can they get the game before we move on? So the game's available online. It's available on Amazon, Flipkart, board game companies. It's also available in Lightroom Bookstore in Bangalore for listeners in Bangalore. A lot of toy stores and bookstores across India, really. Oh, right. So it's, it's good old Amazon's always there. Of course, but we have other local shops, and this is of course a game for kids. But also, just it's actually not this. a game for kids, Sandeep. Sorry. It's no, what game. I mean is, it's a game for kids. But I was going to add, if you oh, have okay. a bottle of vodka lying around, and oh, yeah. you have a few friends who claim that they're very well versed in the language of English, that you can put that to the task. A few shots down, let's figure out who's absolute, who's relative. <laughs> oh, oh I love that again. So yeah, it's a game for all ages, actually, because I think more people are age. Play than even the younger kids, and yeah. I found people older than us, and it's it's one of those levelers, right? It's those it's like it bridges generations, and it kind of bonds people together. You know, entire mm. families across three generations play. So it, honestly, it's like Scrabble. You won't say it's a game for kids; it's a game for yeah, anyone, yeah. really. So Absolutely. it's a bit like that. So, no, but thank you. Cool. I'm glad you played it. No, I'm going to play it more and more and more, and we're going to do a, a game uh, sometime in the near future in person. No, yes. but I want to. T- I, you know, it's so exciting that you're doing this work, and I think in a time, um, and, and I'm glad that you have the positivity to see the fact that there is something we can take from the existing. I find, uh, in some ways, the education system. I think it's also. I'm going to just throw this in there. It's the teachers uh, who add and take or can take away from a syllabus or curriculum, yeah. and I'm glad that we have people like you around. Uh, who are doing this for children going forward because there's so many things that are in the environment which aren't healthy for kids right now with excess of information with distraction with 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 social media with self-esteem issues with self-worth issues and i think these things just go to 
take that, uh, to make their confidence, to uh, make them believe in themselves, to realize that there's no one particular way to uh, living a happier life, but there's so many other ways. So I think, you know, on behalf of everyone listening, I think thanks for doing this. And Thank you. Uh, if you could just tell people where they can find the brain gym uh, or follow the work you do uh, or buy the books you've written, I think that would be great for them to get to know you um, like how I have over the past few days. So if you could just drop those details, I'll also make it a point to drop it in the description uh, so they can find you and um, know more about the great work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sadi. Um, just find me online, really. The Brain Gyms in Sadashwanagar, anyone in this area in Bangalore, do drop in to say hello. Lovely. And every, everything else. So the other thing is, I'm, I really don't put out too much on social media. I think Good. for me, the Brain Gyms is magical world, which when you step in, it's it's this whole cocoon, right? And I kind of just, I'm so immersed with the kid, I sometimes forget to, I think, share it with the outside world as much as I probably should have. So I'm sorry, you may not find too much out there, but just get in touch with me. I'm happy to yeah. say hello to anyone. And, and the only know. thing is you have to enter by saying a really, really cool word, right? <laughs> Isn't that oh, a yeah, totally. <laughs> So Sandy, if I had to ask you a really cool word, what would you say? Oh God, you know, I knew you'd be asking this. And the whole time we've been speaking, I've been thinking of a cool word, man. You didn't ask uh, me, you know, honestly, words are so much fun. Like, for yeah. me, a word like flim flam. I mean, can you imagine the, this one of the books I wrote was like the stories was like the flim flaming flamingo or the somnolent mm. hippo. It could be just anything, pell mell. I don't I know. know. I think for you. No, I'm trying to think of a word which is uh, something I like, um, you know, which, which, uh, you know, you're, you you got me on a spot because I've been thinking of words and I sometimes just smile when I hear a word when I'm listening to a book. Can I tell you something? It would be as simple a word as smudge. I don't know if you thought of it. Just say the word smudge. Yeah, I, no, I like smudge. I, I, I definitely like, like something about smudge. The fact that it's higgledy piggledy, it doesn't have to be straight for me. Just the connotation of smudge is so beautiful. It's such a simple You know which word, word I like, actually? I like, yeah. I, I, this maybe this may, I don't know if we had a therapist on board in this call might say, go to say something about my character, but I love the word fiddle. <laughs> I just love it. Why not? Okay, actually you can. I'm, I'm thinking like five different ways why I like fiddle, but yeah. yeah. You know, actually I was thinking about writing a book called uh, Fiddler on the Roof, but it had nothing yeah. to do with the person playing the fiddle. It was just a guy. <laughs> But see, again, that's the fun part. You know, say Fiddler on the Roof, and trust me, most people today are not going to think of the original Fiddler on the Roof, you know. Yeah. But why not? It's. I mean, I like Popping Jay. Popping Jay is a great word. I love Popping Jay. Pumblechook. You remember the one great, uh, great Expectation? I love that name, Pumblechook. And I'm, just, oh. I'm not trying to drop my literally credentials here, but I'm just this, saying I like the word. I love Haddock. You, uh, for me, one of the Haddockisms I've always loved is you Bougainvillea. I mean, I think that's just brilliant. <laughs> you Bougainvillea. It's just like, who would think of that? But it has. So, like I said, yeah. words. You know what, Sandi? Words are what you make them out to be. They don't yeah. belong to anyone. There is no right way to say a word. There is no right meaning of a word. And yeah. I think words set you free. And believe me, at the end of the day, that's all it comes down to. It's these little ink blots, which yeah. are just squiggling and jostling yeah. around the paper. They magically form themselves into words. And words are just yours. Do what you want with it. And honestly, that's the beauty of it. Just play with it. Have fun. The magic of it is that, really. No, it's amazing that you are doing this and um, it's, yeah, it's keeping me, it, it keeps you active and engaged in a language. And I think that's the beauty of it, not to learn a language and just say, you know what, I've learned it and I'm going to move on, but to take delight in the fact that you can speak it and you can learn new ways of, um, you, not, one is learn things about yourself and right. learn things as a result, use that language in, and as a result, it's expression. And you express in different self, different ways as you grow older, as, as you become a different person with age or with experiences in this world. And I think what you are doing just goes to show that it's not something you learn till the 12th and just say, okay, now I've learned what I have to learn and now I can move on and use the word. Because one thing I've noticed is as you grow older, 
you right. use fewer and fewer words because you don't need to use those words because a corporate setting or a certain setting might just demand those words and then you just say okay these are the words i need but the, the these kind of things whether it's a game or whether it's this joy in a language gives you the sense that hey let me play around in my head and say what what do i like what do i like bamboozle i like the word bamboozle what, or do uh, i like I, yeah, you know it, these are just words and you have fun in them and you interact with people and they're like wait wait a second where did that word come from and it just creates a better human experience so Thank you again, because I think it's got me, it's got my blood flowing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what you just said is so true. When I was growing up, I, I was a voracious reader, but again, See, still voracious, fairly constrained. Love it. Mm. Okay. <laughs> no, just still fairly constrained by, you know, the way our, you know, the way school was in the 80s and 90s. And you'd be surprised, but actually a lot of my love for children's literature, for children's poetry, for all of this love for nonsense mm. has happened after I turned 20. So in the last 20 years yeah. is where I've discovered it. And, I, and I've realized that I think I enjoy it as much as, as the kids do, the whole imaginative yeah. power. I, I feel at school, I think, so maybe that's why I wanted to make sure that kids at the younger age have access to that. And yeah. kids have it. It's just that how do you relate to it? If you just tell a kid, read it, they're not going to enjoy it. You've got to live it with them. You've got to make it as much, you know, as playful, interesting, engaging as you can. And yeah. genuinely in the last 20 years, I think I've just discovered the joy of language much more than I did when I was growing up in school and college. And it's amazing. So it doesn't really matter. I don't think there's an age for language. It, it's just it's brilliant and also the beautiful part is that when you uh, read something as a teenager right. and then revisit it in your 40s oh you it, love, it, love it that much more you love it that much more and i think that's the beauty of these more. these these situations is that everyone is listening to this right now i hope is going to approach a book or a podcast or whatever they might listen to or read and be aware that one more sense is open in them that you know hey wait a second i like this word or it just has one more uh, level of appreciation in the things that you consume so Hey, thank you again. I think uh, this is great. I really appreciate the fact that you've taken the time to come on and share your excitement in what you do and also share um, all the things that you've done and, and good luck with everything you go, um, you continue to do in the future, uh, Nidhi. Thank you. I thank almost you call so you Shruti. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, thanks for listening to me, everyone. But yeah, just like I said, find joy, find the magic. It's all there. It's all around you. And find the nonsense. Trust me, it's the best part of anything. Find the nonsense. Well said, Nidhi. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, Sandeep. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.